Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello Zara McDonald and hello producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hi. Coming up on today's show, Taylor Swift announced her brand new album at the Grammys and where does the woman get the time? And then obviously <laughs> we need to talk about expensive mugs and overpriced totes. Obviously. Plus Nick Lachey brings back Music Mondays, much to my delight. <laughs> Michael Bublé is a silly, goofy, very high man. First, Michelle, how was your week? I've had a great week. We had your hens on we the did. weekend, Zara McDonald. We are just fresh off our Melbourne Upfront event. If you don't know what that is, I'm not going to waste your time. A businessy, businessy event. Yeah, big presentation-y thing. And then we're flying to Sydney today to do it all again tomorrow. So I think my theme for the week slash the next two months is just lean in. There's a lot going on. We could feel tired, but we're not feeling tired. We're leaning in. We're loving every second. I also (laughs) think the magic to not feeling tired is just not saying it. Yeah. I've decided if you just, Annabelle said to me before, are you tired? And I said, not till Thursday night, doll. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't say it out loud. I mean, I don't think having my hands leading into one of the bigger weeks we'll have this year (laughs) was the smartest move. But as I keep reminding everyone on my team, I scheduled my hands in first. You absolutely (laughs) did. Not my fault. It's been, it's been really wonderful though. Like especially with our upfronts. I know we said we weren't going to spend too much time on it and we're not explaining it to the <laughs> which feels quite exclusionary now that I think about it. But it is really nice to present our business. It's very exciting. Yes. Tell me, do you have a recommendation? Oh, well, I was going to say, did you enjoy your hens before oh, we get to my rec? I had a great hens. You organised it with my some of my best friends so beautifully. We did a silent disco, which I had always said was was a dream of mine. <laughs> I loved because people kept coming up to like the bridesmaid group and asking us. They're like, so do you know what Zara wants? And we're all like, yes, Zara has dropped the most obvious. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't even hints. It they was practically hints. you just sitting in front of me being like, give me a pri- like a dinner in a private space and then a silent disco and then let's go to this place called Revelers Which in Melbourne. Which is the tiniest, dirtiest nightclub you can find. The dirtiest. Yeah. The shower I had when I got home, guys, <laughs> I stood under a steaming hot jet for like you, 10 minutes. You need to. The silent disco, people were surprised that I was like so keen to do you it. You fucking love a silent I disco. I love it. I think there is nothing more demonised though than the next morning going back through your videos and listening to how it sounds yeah. to the outside I haven't. World. I haven't looked. I refused. <laughs> I did appreciate that when you posted it, you muted the video so yeah. nobody could hear us. I also put it on black and white so it looked slightly classier <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. They are so much fun though. They are. And you can't hear shit. Like oh, yeah. Annabelle and I at one point like were trying to communicate. I'm like, this is just not <laughs> happening. Annabelle, I asked you to record us singing. Do you remember this? Yeah, no, I haven't watched it back because I'm cringing in advance. You took a photo of Zara and I dancing up on a table in the middle <laughs> of the Botanic Gardens. Maybe what you should do is listen to 
the video and next week play it. <laughs> no, no, I simply can't. I need you to do it. <laughs> but I, I will you bring for a you and the listeners. <laughs> because I remember us doing it because I was like, we need to work out how this sounds to the naked ear. Also, I didn't know half the lyrics. <laughs> I know. So you'll definitely hear me just butcher like half of Dua Lipa's songs. They are. They are incredibly funny to do. No, thank you. I know how much work. People go into organising hens, but what a night. I, I had the best time. time. That was the latest night out I've had in a very long time. <laughs> My recommendation for the week was a piece in the Times UK by Farrah Storr. She's the former editor of Elle magazine. She wrote 10 things I wish I'd known before deciding not to have kids at 45. I just found this to be a really fascinating perspective. I feel like when it comes to deciding to have kids or not to have kids, we see like a big binary. It's either women who want to say, I've never wanted kids and I'm sticking with that. Or it's women who say, I've always wanted to be a mother and I'm sticking with that. Farah admits that she was kind of toing and froing. She did try to have kids for a while. She and her partner really struggled. And amidst that struggle, she decided actually this wasn't really something she needed or wanted for herself. And so this is quite an uplifting piece because I also think we can speak about women who go through infertility with an air of pity and negativity. And this is a really life-affirming piece to say your life can mean so many different things and be enriched in so many different ways without having children. Her newsletter is one of my favourites. If people don't yeah. subscribe to that, subscribe to her newsletter. It's it's, it's really good. I haven't read that story though in the time, so I, I do want to read that. Well, she writes about how she actually became a lot closer with her mother. Oh, I, it's just a beautiful, really well-written, unique, unique piece. So if you don't have a subscription, it is behind a paywall, but I actually recommend getting a subscription to the Times UK. I agree. There's a lot of good stuff, particularly so running much. over the weekends. Yeah. What about you? What are you recommending? I would love to recommend an episode of How I Built This. I am oh. back listening to How I Built This. I feel like we spent a great deal of time listening to How I Built This. Years ago. Years and years ago, before we even started a business. And I have these vivid memories of listening to this show. And if you don't know what it is, it's, it's basically just interviewing business founders on their story, their story mm. of building a business. And I remember listening to these stories and listening to the hurdles that business founders would talk about and be like, I could never do that. Mm. Like I could never do that. I am way too risk averse. And so it feels quite strange now re-listening to this show again and falling back in love with it, running a business. The Burt's Bees episode. I know you're not recommending that yeah. one today, but a good That's historic a one, one is the Burt's Bees one. The Bumble one with Whitney Wolf Heard yes. will always be good. So will the Kate Spade episode. Oh. I know Kate Spade isn't with us anymore, but that is one of my all-time favourites. The one I am recommending today is with Tiffany Masterson from Drunk Elephant. I knew very little about Drunk Elephant story before I listened to this. I mean, I I didn't know that Tiffany Masterson started the brand in 2013 as a mum of four in her 40s with no background in beauty or business I and within this. six years had basically sold the business for over $800 million US. $800 Whoa. million. That it is, is incredible. Yeah, and I think it's so fascinating to hear her talk about how much pushback she got in the early days. I mean, even you asked me when I was talking about this episode yesterday, Mish, about the name Drunk Elephant because it's so unique. Mm. Every single person in her orbit told her to change it. And she was mm. like, no, oh. if I, either I do this 100% me or I or I don't do it at all. The name Drunk Elephant is so inspired because to your point, Zara, it's so unique. You look at every beauty brand and of course, so many of their names are iconic. But Drunk Elephant is you remember this, it. it's like... It's like a Tony name without being obvious tone. Yeah. As well. it's, it's just fun. It's not shoving it down your face. <laughs> I just yes. love it. I reckon it's Tony now, but I also imagine if I was in her orbit back then, I would have been like, change it as well. Yeah, I agree. Like, and that's what, um, yeah. that's such a good point, Annabelle, because that's what the host Guy Roz said. It's like, well, it's all well and good for me to say, great idea. Mm. Well done for backing yourself. It worked. But he's like, I would have told you all of these decisions you made back in the day were probably wrong as well. Well, they're so risky. Yeah. Right. I love that she was a mum of four with zero experience in either industry and they made $800 million. <laughs> it's insane. So I couldn't recommend it more. Before we get into the quick and dirty for today, though, I do have a bit of an are you in need of some intrigue? Ooh. So are you both in need of some intrigue? Uh-huh. Always. So I wanted to talk about Tracy Chapman today. Um, if anyone watched the Grammys over the last couple of days, you would have seen her perform Fast Car with Luke Combs up on stage. Thank God you said that because I was about to go, sings cars, not cars, fast <laughs> cars. Yeah, they did this really beautiful duet. Now, Luke actually covered the song for his album. 
I think a year or two ago. And I think that song has found a whole new generation of people falling in love with it. But the song's from 1988. And so it was really amazing watching them do this duet. There's this bit, this is not the Are You A Native's Min trick though. This is just like my general commentary. <laughs> but there's this really beautiful moment where the lights start to turn on and the song starts playing at the Grammys and the audience realizes that it's her singing because she's a very private person. You don't see her around. And there's this perfect moment where the camera's on her and she smiles, she grins as she realizes that people realize it's her. And it's just, it's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, what I wanted to talk about, and thank you to my sister Mieta for sending this to me, is her 1988 performance at Wembley. Now, in, there's a great 2016 article in the Financial Times sort of about this called The Life of a Song about Fast Car. And the Financial Times opened their piece by saying this, it must be the ultimate stand-in performance, an earnest 24-year-old replacing a giant of pop in front of 74,000 people at London's Wembley Stadium and a global television audience of hundreds of millions, all at a moment's notice and with only her self-worth and an acoustic guitar to steady her. So the story is... In 1988, as I said, Tracy Chapman was at Wembley with 80,000 people for Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday. Now, she'd already performed a three-song set, but Stevie Wonder was like the main act, obviously, the main The headliner. Event, the headliner. Stevie, as Stevie Wonder was due to perform, he realised that the hard disks containing the recorded music required for his set were missing. Just oh, as he was about what? to walk on stage. This is so 80s. I know. Because it's I, like, what the fuck do you do? I don't really know what missing. this means either because it's so 80s. I wasn't yeah. alive. But all I know is that the stuff that he needed to perform was missing and he couldn't actually perform. So reports are that he walk, had to was basically on stage and had to walk off stage devastated. And so they had to kind of scramble to find a replacement. So Tracy Chapman went back out there with nothing but her guitar. And she performed two songs from her brand new album that were relatively unknown. One of them was Fast Car. The other song was Across the Lines. Now, the video of her performing this is a recommendation in and of itself. This is what my sister sent to me yesterday and was like, also read up on the backstory. It's so spectacular to watch a 24-year-old with nothing but her guitar sing in front of nearly 80,000 people and just with a song that they barely know and just have them like kind of eating out of the palm of her hand. Mm. So was this the performance that made Fast Car a yeah, huge song? Yeah, so she, some reports say that she sold as many as two million albums in the two weeks after that Whoa. performance. Like, she obviously wasn't a total unknown, right? I mean, she had a big record label and things like this, but the Financial Times said her Fast Car performance ferried this very private person to public acclaim. By mid-July, it was number five in the UK singles charts. It would reach number six in America that August. Her album became a worldwide hit and she won Grammy and Brit Awards. Wow. I loved it. There is something I, 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 I grew up on this song. My mum played it all day, every day. It was like she was obsessed with this song. And so I thought it was kind of like a unique experience to me. <laughs> Until I got older and I was like, oh, no, everybody just loves uh, this song. This niche little song that Trish McDonald yeah. discovered. No, I just loved this story and the video is really special to watch. My brain is evil because as I love that story, first of all. Very wholesome, very beautiful. My mind went to imagine if Tracy hid the CDs to her. <laughs> Fuck you, Stevie. Wow, that is evil. God, they remind us not to get in a battle off singing with you. <laughs> well, who has the CDs? I wonder if they were ever discovered. Well, I don't even know if they were CDs. Were CDs a thing in the 80s? Yeah. Oh, God. No, this is gonna... not going to age well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> it's time for the quick and dirty, guys. It's normally the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. This week, we've extended it out a little bit because there was so much madness to talk about. Our first story, of course, everything to know about Taylor Swift's new album, The Tortured Poets Department. That is from People magazine. Well, guys. Well, well, this well. This was not a my bingo card for this week, nor this year, I think. Now, Taylor Swift has announced her 11th album is on the way. She announced that the Tortured Poets Department is coming on April 19 while accepting the Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Album for Midnight's this week. Now, she said, it's my 13th Grammy. 13 is my lucky number. So I'm going to announce something to you. Here's exactly what she said. I know that the way that the Recording Academy voted is a direct reflection 
of the passion of the fans. So I want to say thank you to the fans by telling you a secret that I've been keeping from you for the last two years, which is that my brand new album comes out April 19th. It's called, it's called The Tortured Poets Department. I'm gonna go and post the cover right now backstage. Thank you, I love you, thank you. <laughs> It's such a funny listening experience because you can hear the confusion in everyone in the crowd. Like, people in the audience clearly thought she was going to announce the re-release of Reputation. Yeah, but also it's not a crowd full of her fans. It's oh, a crowd everyone full of knows. industry. But I feel like the industry would be no, so across I agree, this. but it's not like you're going to have that feverish kind of excitement mm. if you were announcing in front of, like, 100,000 people at, at one a of concert, her concerts, yeah. for sure. I mean, I'm definitely interested in the conversation around etiquette and the Grammys. I don't know if you guys have seen quite a lot about this around, but like people being like, is it fine to do this at the Grammys when the Grammys are the mo- the biggest event in music, the biggest award show in music? It's an industry event. Can you be plugging yourself in this way? Yes. <laughs> I think Taylor can do anything. <laughs> I don't She's really in my care. Fast basket. I can understand why people would be. I can understand why other musicians might be like it's not really the done thing. Here. And do you think mm. they are? Do you think other musicians are a little peeved? I think probably, yeah. I do because I think they would think if if I was like Olivia Rodrigo or whoever it might be, it's like you do have a big enough stage. Like you do, you take up so much space. Can we have like an equal footing here tonight? I don't know if I agree. I think it's totally fine, but I'm curious that there is backlash or like conversation about it what do we make of the album name and artwork before we move on also the tagline all's fair in love and poetry (laughs) (laughs) taylor's in my fast basket i want to put it out (laughs) it's giving ya like it's giving young adult tumblr teenager bridget and like all's fair in love and poetry i'm back on board what's the bridget and lady's name the like secret letter writer no i don't remember but something like that the pen name it's giving that vibe and like the the photo lady whistle down lady (laughs) just sitting back seeing how you guys are gonna go you know this it's giving lady whistle down the album cover is definitely giving Tumblr circa 2010. It's not a memorable album name either, particularly when you line it up with her other album names, Lover, Reputation. It's Evermore. hard to kind of get out. I was texting last night about it and I just refused to call it the Tortured Poets Department, so I called it Tortured Poets, yeah. which I think is probably what's going to happen because it's too many words. Look, I know I'm probably going to like the music on this, Oh, I, yeah. I know. I, I like. She's already announced that she's got collabs with Post Malone, Florence and the Machine. I can see the vibe. Yeah, same here. I feel like it will be. Someone wrote on Twitter. They're like, "Will this be a slutty folklore?" And if oh. it is, I'm so into that. Now, some of the details around this album are telling Taylor's fans that it will be heavily inspired by the breakdown of her relationship with Joe Alwyn. For instance, one thing that has gone wild on socials is that the date of album release, April 19, is exactly a year to the day since a very freshly single Taylor had that infamous dinner with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, after which they unfollowed Joe on Instagram, making it the anniversary of the great unfollowing of Joe Alwyn. Yeah. If this was just the only piece of evidence people were using, I would say slightly flimsy. It is not helped by the fact that, of course, people have dug up this variety interview that Joe Orwin's done with Paul Meskell a couple of years ago, where he said that those two and Andrew Scott were in a WhatsApp group chat called the Tortured Man Club. <laughs> That's de- that can't be a coincidence. The Tortured Poets Department, the Tortured Man Club. What it's giving for me is a woman that could be annoyed by a self-flagellating male calling uh, calling himself a tortured man and is yeah. reusing that kind of language. Against him. In the breakup. I can see that being like a uh, hypothetic. Yeah, but then do you again, see that? Yeah, I do. But I, it, I don't know. Joe being in this group chat with Paul Meskell and the hot priest from Fleabag, that feels iconic. So now I'm kind of sad that that's being used as album fuel. Well, it's an interesting thing that she'd try to go up against because it's they're pretty loved characters. Paul Meskel, Andrew Scott, 
Yeah. And Joe Alwyn. Like, it's a big beast to try and fight those three. It is. But then maybe it's a complete coincidence as well. It could be. I think the thing that's not a coincidence is the titles of the songs that she's announced. No. Can I list off the ones that feel loaded? Mm-hmm. Uh, they Most of them do. <laughs> okay. There are songs called My Boy Only Breaks His Favourite Toys, So Long London, But Daddy I Love Him, Guilty as Sin, Who's Afraid of Little Old Me, I can fix him. No, really, I can. And the smallest man who ever lived. (laughs) I have a theory. I feel like these all indicate uh, that we got it so wrong last year. We said, oh, Amical will break up. Maybe she wanted to be in the limelight. Joe didn't. She's going on tour. Nothing to see here. This indicates to me... That at least Taylor feels Joe Alwyn really fucked up. Whatever caused their breakup, he really fucked up. As if you're writing guilty as sin, and then the immediate song after is who's afraid of little old me? As in you're afraid I might tell the world what you did. Is this her lemonade? This oh. is lemonade. I don't know. I just all I will say is if if it wasn't a bad breakup, and look, I've got to be careful with my words, but if she wasn't very mad at him, and if he didn't fuck up then this is actually awful. Yeah. yeah. If he didn't do anything, it's terrible. To call someone the lived. tiny little man that's <laughs> ever been on the planet. One. <laughs> the smallest Big one call. ever lived. Because this doesn't line up with what we've seen from Taylor recently. Last year, she was up on stage telling people, essentially, to give John Mayer a break. She was saying in the lead up to Dear John being re-released, she said to her fans, hey, don't come for these people. You don't know who these songs are about. This album and these song titles says to me, go get him, ladies. Like, go get him so long, London. To be honest, even if he did fuck up a bit, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. If he fucked up, you have to be so silly to fuck up in a relationship with Taylor Swift, the queen of writing the breakup album. It's just a lot given the amount of power she has to Mm. send millions. I'm going to say billions of people. (laughs) After him. Like I it all it just sits a bit funny. I say this now and then I know come <laughs> April twenty, I'm gonna be bopping my head along to these tracks and forget about it all. Well, I think I'm already ready to just bop along. Like I know that it's not great, but also she's never lied about who she is. She has always I said, I will write the breakup song, You're I will right. write about my heartache. What did he think he was getting himself into if he did fuck up, which we don't know for sure, but my gut is telling me it's, maybe. It's a strange, it's a strange set of uh, <laughs> song titles, that's for sure. I think the thing that I texted you last night, Michelle, is if she was really, really mad and wanted to get back at Joe, the Maddie Healy story makes a lot more sense to me. Like yeah. a lot more sense why you'd have a really rogue, very public fling, fling, either PR or not. Immediately after the breakup. Yeah. That makes a bit more sense to me. Don't Maddie and Joe know each other as well? I remember us saying yeah, that do. at the time. It makes particular sense given that there is a connection there between her ex-boyfriend and the guy she then had a fling with. Just so many things lining up. I feel like I saw this track list and everything suddenly connected and I was like, I think I got it wrong last year. I think actually these two hate each other. Yeah, I think they do. Can we quickly circle back to the Grammys for a minute? Because there was a pretty big night for female artists. I mean, Taylor also won Album of the Year for Midnight's. Not sure how we feel about that, Annabelle. Mm. What do you mean? We feel great about that. I like the album. I don't know if it was the album of the year, but hey, I'm no expert. What what (laughs) album would you have preferred to have won? I can't Uh, think of one single one. Guts. Genuinely Oh my God, yes, absolutely. I much preferred Guts over Midnight. I feel like Scissor's album would have been up there as well. But I think Midnight's deserved to win because it's one of my fave albums ever. (laughs) Flowers by Miley Cyrus won Record of the Year. Billie Eilish and Phineas won Song of the Year for What Was I Made For. What a beautiful song. Victoria Monet nabbed Best New Artist. And shout out to Kylie Minogue who picked up her second ever Grammy, I think her first in about 20 years or yeah. something, for Best Pop Dance Recording for Padam Padam. Padam Padam. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> How do you say It's supposed it? to be like a heartbeat, so padam padam. But, but, but then that sounded like that. Yeah. Pada, padam, padam. I like I the damn. <laughs> the damn girl, Kylie. Our second story. <laughs> Everyone is fighting over a $125 strawberry mug on TikTok. That's from Metro. I can't believe this is made internationally. <laughs> 
<laughs> and yet I can. <laughs> In case you guys missed it, two of Australia's biggest TikTokers have been feuding over a mug, a mug that's a little smaller than your average mug and has two handles, one on either side, to give it the vibe of, I, I mean, some people have said ceramic sippy cup. Others have said this is actually an accessible cup for people with disabilities. It's very cute. It has hand-painted strawberries on it. The TikTokers in question are from very different corners of TikTok. First of all, we've got influencer and pyjama brand owner, Sofa Dofar. She was nominated for TikToker of the Year last year. She has 1.2 million followers on the app. We have discussed her on the show before. Then the other player in this is the pottery gal, Shelby Sherritt, who has 2 million followers. So 800,000 more than Sofa Dofa. Yeah, now this all started with Sofa Dofa posting like a shopping haul from the Finders Keepers markets, which is, you know, a market full of a lot of homemade stuff or handmade stuff, I should have said. And she said this about a strawberry mug she bought. I actually have no idea who I'm going to give this to. Basically, I was at this market, the Finder Ke- Finders Keepers market. How can you use this cup, right? I think it's actually like a kid sippy cup, which is silly because it's ceramic, so if they drop it, it'll smash. But I didn't say that. I thought it just had one handle. I was like, oh, that's such a cute mug. Like, I'm just going to get it. Like, I was like, whatever. Like, I'll just get it. Didn't ask how much it was. She's like, yep, yeah, that's all good. You can tap. Fucking look at the F-Boss machine, $125. Look how small this mug is. Like, it's literally tiny. <laughs> I think we've all had that experience before. Oh, yeah. Just just assuming something is a certain price or, like, in a price bracket. If I was buying a handmade mug, max 50 bucks, I would assume. Yeah, I yeah, um, maybe maybe sixty or seventy yes. just to res- whatever to is correct. The mug pottery people out there. If the ceramicists are listening, you're correct and I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if it's a different price, sure. But obviously, we've all had that experience of getting a bit of maybe price shock. Totally. At the till. Now, as you might have guessed, that mug was made by Shelby Sherritt, who stitched Sofa Dofa's video. And responded with this. Now, a heads up, I have cut this down for pacing, but I want to give you an overall vibe of the video. So I just saw this video, and that's my mug. That was only a short little clip of the whole minute that she talks about how I spoke to her as a business at the market. I watched you pick things up and look at the prices. You picked up a number of pieces of that strawberry collection because it's freaking cute. And I even told you the price of them. After that, you handed me the mug that you're gonna go and I was like, awesome pick. And I asked you, like I asked everyone that weekend, whether you would like tissue paper or a bit more padding because I wanted to make sure that the piece was safe wherever they were traveling to that day. And I didn't wrap it until I had an answer. And then I gave you the FPOS machine to tap your card. It was literally your choice. And I wouldn't have wrapped it until I knew that you had, you had responded that you wanted that piece. I'm so confused. <laughs> it's a lot of detail. It's just so much detail. It's a lot of detail. From an exchange that was actually last year. Did you guys know? It, it was for Christmas. It was for Christmas. Oh. This happened in December. It's, it's a lot of detail to remember about a customer from a while ago. Now, Shelby, in this video response, also said that the mug's price of $125 had a lot of things that went into it. She said, I have literally spent hours and hours finessing and glazing. I hand paint every single one. And that's not including how much money goes towards tax, how much goes towards GST, how many outgoings I have. It also includes my staff wages. Now, Sofa Dover didn't mention Shelby or her business name in the original video, but obviously Shelby decided to out herself as the yeah. business in question. She described Sofa Dofa's video as deeply upsetting. Shelby said she felt questioned as a small business owner and said that Sofa Dofa lied about the nature of the interaction they had and that Sofa played around with the product and obviously checked its price before paying for it. Now, this absolutely took off. It was like every ceramicist and their dog came out of the woodwork <laughs> to defend Shelby and the 120 $25 mug. But that wasn't the end of it, Zara. No, because then Sofa responded with a video that's now been watched by 12 million people. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 1 million likes. Here's a snippet of that one. I am making this video because I am so confused. On my mum's life, I did not touch any items. Why would I lie about this? Why would I make a TikTok saying that I had no idea what the price was if I knew the price? This did not happen. I don't know why people feel like they can make videos saying my name and just throwing absolute lies in there to get views because the video has so many views, the video has so many likes, the video has so many comments slamming me. Of course, all my haters are going to run at that and just take that. Like people just take things like 
take things with a grain of salt. This did not happen. Even if it did, in the video, I didn't even say anything bad. All I said was that I didn't know it had two handles. And I was shocked because I didn't expect it to be that expensive. God bloody shoot me. Pretty emphatic. Yeah, she she said I I didn't know. And I'm sick of people. I think what I what I found really refreshing about this was she wasn't 50% there. She went 100% of the way to say, I am sick of people using my name to get views. People do that on this app, which I've seen personally. I agree. And I'm sick of it. I am not being walked over anymore. I am going to really defend myself here. I swear on my mum's life this didn't happen. It's also like, is it that? That's, I know I'm um, probably putting the cart before the horse, but just not sure it's any of this is that deep. <laughs> just, well, that's the thing. It's just, it is like, and I think... I think what's always interesting in these kind of interactions that I can observe is you've got you you do see this dynamic play out a lot. You've got high profile influencer and person saying they're small business and the small business saying influencer has taken advantage of me or, you know, denigrated my business and they're using their power for evil. What I find so strange about this story is Shelby has a much bigger social footprint than Sofa Dofa does. Yeah. And so it's it's not quite the small business punching up to big player that I think we would like to believe it's in these stories. It's not this David and Goliath no, battle. No, it's not. So, like, we're talking about someone with 2 million followers. Like, Shelby, yes, her business was at a market, but she's got 2 million followers on social. And as she said in the video that she put out, she constantly sells out of her products. It's not like this is a flailing small business either. No. So shortly after Sophie Dover came back with her response, Shelby then deleted her video. She hasn't, for the record, posted since. Markgate has officially gone global, <laughs> though. I mean, people are going nuts about this. And I think the one thing that I should say as well is I kind of do believe that Shelby should be able to charge whatever she wants for a product that she believes she's put a lot of time into. Oh, yeah. I also believe that someone's allowed to look at that and say, I don't think that's a fair prize. 100%. I think both of those things can be true, and I don't know where we've lost that art <laughs> of talking about it. Of us not agreeing what everything should be worth. Like, that's okay. Like, it's like I am allowed to be like, that's That's, that's right. I am. <laughs> but you're still allowed to keep charging that. 100%. $125 for a mug. I appreciate for some people that's worth it. For me, not worth it. For Sofa Dofa, not worth it. If she had got onto this video on TikTok and said, I was at the Finders Keepers market and I went into Shelby Sherritt's stall and blah, 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 maybe then I would see Shelby's point. The fact she opened by saying, look how cute it is. Like yeah. she held this thing up to the camera and said, so cute, first of all. But it's like, you know, quite small. It's got two handles which I didn't see. <laughs> it's always these kinds of stories that freak me out as well because it's like you just never know what's no. going to blow up. <laughs> there is no world that Sofa Dofa filmed this video and thought, yep, this is the thing that's going to make me go worldwide. <laughs> this is the thing that people will be writing headlines about in the UK. Yeah, just crazy. Guys, coming up after the break, we need to talk more about overpriced influencer things. Plus Nick Lachey and Music Mondays and then Michael Bublé's high press conference. But first, a word from today's sponsor. story a tote bag for $120 that's from the New York Times <laughs> wow you really nailed that inflection actress Zara Donald. it's almost like she I, speaks for a living this is what I've been trying to tell you I can act do it again no no <laughs> now guys the news was actually pretty consistent this week when it comes to influencers and the products they're selling because it turns out TikToker Emily Mariko best known for going viral for that salmon bowl recipe. recipe a couple of years ago. She's now copping criticism for a similar thing to the $125 mug controversy. She has released a tote bag that costs $120. Yeah, $120 US, which I think puts a very different spin on it. For How mine. much is that in? You talk and then I'm going to convert. So the tote bag in question is quite big. I mean, as we know, Emily Mariko is well known for going to the farmer's market, cooking with a lot of fresh produce. It makes sense that a tote bag was kind of going to be the product she would launch. Now, it has the tote bag, I will describe it more. It has wide <laughs> straps. It looks sturdy. It's 100% cotton. It's made in the US and it comes in a ballet pink colour or an olive colour. Are you selling Selling us the bag. I don't know. I love I love a sturdy tote bag oh, yeah. for my shopping. I splurged on a tote bag, right, for okay. my grocery shopping from a grocer near my house. 
and I think it was $55. And I was like, this is pretty expensive. Pretty steep. For a tote bag. We use it every day and okay. it looks cool as well. Like I feel like we're going to the supermarket and it's got a bit of branding on it and I'm like proud of the tote bag I have. But that cost me $55. Well, dare I say- How much is this in AUD? Did you work it out? Uh, uh, almost 185 Yeah. 183.96 yeah. AUD. Not all tote bags are made equal. Like I think when people are picturing this, they might just be picturing the free tote bag you sometimes get with a, a retail shopping totally. order, stuff like that. It's like quite thick. It's quite big. I actually wouldn't look at this and describe it as a tote bag. I would describe it as something else. Like a cotton shopping bag. Like, yeah, I don't know. Did she herself use the word tote or did other people put the word tote in her mouth? Because when I looked at this, I'm like, I wouldn't immediately see that and go, that's a tote bag. But then I would still call <laughs> What makes a tote? Because I think <laughs> a tote doesn't have a pocket. about before this segment is we said no tangents here. Let's <laughs> And we're going back and forth on how we define tote bag. I don't think a tote has a pocket. This looks no, like no. it's got more structural integrity than mm. your average well, tote. Look, I do think, as I say, I agree with you, not all tote bags are made equal. A tote bag is just like sort of a canvas bag of okay. any size. Okay. So unfortunately, I'm wrong. you're wrong. But my tote bag that I have, you need something that carries all your groceries that is not going to break your shoulder. Emily Mariko's looks like it does this, but it's definitely very expensive. She's also called it a tote herself, which yes. I think was part of the branding error. Well, yes. Emily has 13 million followers and has been copying it on TikTok in her comments on other corners of TikTok. People are like, this is outrageous. I saw a comment on one of her videos that had 16,000 likes. So that was, when your vibe is minimalist with maximum profit. <laughs> How much do we think these cost to make? Yeah. It can't be much more than like 10 I, I Look, pop. as I say, I do think you can charge what you want, but you have to accept that people <laughs> might not want to buy it. I do think it's a bit too steep. <laughs> I don't want to get cancelled for that, <laughs> but i got to be honest. Yeah, unless it's like an Hermes tote bag, I don't think you can be charging 184 And it, Well, if you are, be prepared for a little bit of feedback. Yeah, our fourth story. Jacob Elordi involved in a police investigation after alleged altercation with radio producer. That is from Variety. Jacob Elordi was at the Clovelly pub on Saturday, and according to police reports, it did not end too well. According to a guy named Joshua Fox, who was actually one a celebrity paparazzo but now works as a producer for the Kyle and Jackie O show, Jacob Elordi did not enjoy being approached for a skit while he was relaxing with mates. He was actually walking out of the pub with friends, right? Now, this is one of those stupid, been done a lot kind of bits. Joshua from Kyle and Jackie O heard that Jacob was at the pub and went down with an empty mason jar, it sounds like, so he could film himself asking Jacob to fill it with his bath water. If you subscribe to our newsletter, Smart Dumb Stuff, we have talked about this bathwater joke over there. But essentially, this is based on a viral... Well, Frank did. Frank did. We're not Frank. We edited Frank. Frank spoke about it over there. <laughs> essentially, this is all based on a viral scene in Saltburn where it's about Jacob Elordi's cum water. Yeah. Sorry, like his, his semen is yeah. inside it. So this is a kind of loaded... It's a dirty joke. Sexual... Well, it sexualizes him as well. Of course. Now, Josh was obviously doing this as content for Kyle and Jackie O and told Jacob that this could be Jackie O's birthday present. Now, audio of their interaction was actually played on the Kyle and Jackie O show where you could hear Jacob saying, you're kidding, what am I supposed to do with this? Then when Jacob realised that Joshua was filming, he said, can you not, man, please? According to Joshua, once he stopped filming Jacob, Jacob turned quite aggressive and insisted he delete the video. While Joshua agreed to delete the video from his album, he refused to delete it from his recently deleted folder. So Jacob Elordi is clearly the kind, he, he knows that these things live on. Like you yeah. can't just delete it once. It has to also be removed from your recently deleted for it to be fully gone. It is interesting to me that Joshua would say, yeah, I'll delete it from this, but not from that. Well, like I'll, I'll pretend that I've deleted it, but not fully. Yeah. From there, Joshua claims that Jacob got up in his face and backed him against the wall with two of his friends. Now on the Kyle and Jackie O show, Josh said, a switch went off and he's become quite aggressive. He goes, go into your recently deleted folder. I'm thinking if I delete this footage, there's no evidence this encounter happened. I think that's the point. Mm. So then I refuse to. Jacob flips and pushes me against the wall and his hands are on my throat. 
For what it's worth, New South Wales Police have spoken to the media about this. They said police were told about 3.30pm on Saturday the 3rd of February 2024 that a 32-year-old man was allegedly assaulted by a 26-year-old. The man did not sustain any injuries. They have also confirmed that they have obtained CCTV of the incident, which will be reviewed, but as of recording, no charges have been laid. Got to be careful with how I um, articulate. walk my way around this one. But look, at the moment, New South Wales police are saying that there has not been any injuries sustained and I'm going to roll with that right now Mm. and say it is a pretty shitty era that we're in where phones can just be thrust in somebody's face and we can demand so much of people that we don't know and haggle them and hassle them when they're off. I think it speaks so much to how we dehumanise celebrities generally. Now, if this did result in something that was quite violent, then of course, no excuse for that. But if it didn't, it's just a pretty shitty story to me. Yeah, you've said everything I would want to say. Our fifth story. <laughs> Nick Lachey trolled over uncomfortable cover of Halsey's Without Me. That is from page <laughs> six. I love this story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to So, Nick Lachey, who honestly has probably <laughs> never got a shout out on this show, and that's a mistake. Nick Lachey, <laughs> former boy band member. I don't know what he's been doing for the last 10 to 15 years. Excuse me? Oh, he's been doing Love is Blind. Yes. Yeah. And he's terrible at it. Yeah. Sorry, he and his wife, there was actually a petition that went, went around last year asking them to not be hosts anymore, but they then were renewed and everyone was like, fuck. So <laughs> he posted a video on TikTok last week with the caption, I used to do something called hashtag Music Monday where I'd drop weekly covers. Should I bring it back to TikTok? Let me know. Let's play it. Just play a snippet, Annabelle. Yes, please, please, please press blue. <laughs> Are you okay? No. <laughs> You could take advantage of me and tell me how's it feel sitting up there feeling so high but a way to hold me. So look, <laughs> the thing about this, he did technically hit the right notes. Well, this is the thing. It's not like he's doing anything wrong that I can put my finger no, on. It just feels wrong. <laughs> you're bang on, Michelle, because the comments were hilarious. The top comment was from Duolingo, who somehow has the greatest presence on TikTok ever, <laughs> which has 34,000 likes, which was, you are knuff. Please do not serenade me. <laughs> the next comment had 20,000 likes, which was, I feel like I'm on a first date. And he tells me, wow, I normally don't do that for just anyone. <laughs> There was a much smaller comment down below that I actually thought was quite funny. Now, I appreciate this is only going to be funny for people who have watched the video. But someone wrote, someone said it looks like he is riding an imaginary horse in slow motion and I can't unsee it because he's kind of going like this. It's very funny. I also liked the guy at the party who starts singing Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. It's There's something in his voice, like an inflection in his voice yeah. to be like, I am the hot guy strumming a guitar and it's like, you give me the ick so potently. What do we think? All in favour of Music Monday say aye. Aye. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You want want it back? I want it back. Why? For what reason? Because it's fun. Maybe... (laughs) If he does bring it back, every week he does, our transition sound can be that week's music. <laughs> yeah, <Monday. laughs> please. Our sixth story. Demi Lovato clarifies why she performed Heart Attack at Heart Disease event. That is from Rolling Stone. Now, earlier this week, the American Heart Association hosted an annual gala. It was like a Go Red for Women red dress collection concert. Now, that was a long name. I know. It kind of aims to celebrate its achievements, create awareness around cardiovascular disease. Demi Lovato performed a 10-song set and obviously she's making headlines because one of those songs is a smash hit, Heart Attack. You can't now, perform Heart Attack I just, at a heart disease event. I just so want to sorry. read you the lyrics because <laughs> no. I don't want to fall in love if I ever did that. I think I'd have a heart attack. I think I'd have a heart attack. Heart attack. I think I've had a heart attack. I think I've had a heart attack. Oh, I think I'd have a heart attack. I think I'd have a heart attack. Now, it is. Look, Demi has responded to criticism through her rep. Her rep and Demi have defended this decision in a statement. They said the song was simply meant to show the mind heart connection. (laughs) 
Demi said this song means a lot to her. It meant a lot that she was able to perform it. She apparently gave a very nice intro to the song before she did the song, so she acknowledged it all. <laughs> Where do we still sit on it? <laughs> yeah, nah, she shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Look, if, if she had a lyric in a song about a heart attack, I would feel like slightly awkward, but it's just part of a bigger song. To choose a song that's literally called Heart Attack, and to be honest, when I think of Demi Lovato's hits, Heart Attack is not coming to mind as like the ultimate hit that oh, must be sung. It's cool for the summer. It's cool for the summer. <laughs> yeah, it's so always true. cool for the summer, which I'm sure was on there. <laughs> yeah, but I doubt anyone went to this heart disease benefit Thinking, and went. God, I really hope. Well, she I just performs. think they didn't think they were going to get it. I don't think they. Can did. either of you sing Heart Attack? Like, even when you read oh, those lyrics, I, I know it. Can. I know it. I'm not going to do oh, it now. Yeah. I'll do it off mic. Annabelle. No, no. I'm not seeing it. We'll do it off mic and you will know it. Okay. It's a pretty big hit. So you think it's okay. It's good. I, no, I, I actually don't really mind. I just thought it's, truthfully, I just thought it was a funny headline. <laughs> Our seventh story. Michael Bublé confesses to being high during chaotic interviews. What happened to people this week? What were the celebrities on this I'm week? I'm not usually on this thing, but like, is there like a, a moon rising? Yes. <laughs> you start sharing the story and I will Google... Isn't it Mercury in yeah, retrograde? Yeah. It is feels... Mercury in retrograde. So, Michael Bublé, where to begin with him this week? Now, you might have seen that in Canada there was an exhibition ice hockey tournament. Did you guys see this? called the NHL All-Stars. No. No. Cool. <laughs> Celebrities like Justin Bieber performed. Justin Bieber oh, hasn't yes. performed in years and he performed. Tate McRae was there. Will Arnett was there. They all made appearances, but only one of them is really making mammoth headlines. Now, <laughs> at a press conference at the end of last week things fell off a bit of a cliff for Michael Bublé now he was answering questions apparently about his fantasy hockey team when his answer got quite circular really obviously circular and then he launched into this my buddy told me this is just a microdose of mushrooms and he was lying so I'll be honest I thought I was in blades of glory for most of the time that I was out there until it sort of settled down and then I realized, holy I am at the NHL All-Star Game. The answer is no, I will not be the oldest draft pick the Vancouver Canucks have ever taken at 48 years old. Okay. He's so on one. So I've obviously cut two things together there, but it is outrageous watching this. He then went on to joke. So he's, Will Arnett is sitting next to him at this press conference and Will Arnett's like, oh, this mushroom talk. And then Michael Bieber goes, yeah, this mushroom talk cost me all my contracts, cost me a lot of income. Oh. Like as he's in the press conference talking about <laughs> the mushrooms. So it's like, <laughs> you don't know this yet. Now, according to many news outlets, later on in the press conference, he said he was tired of his fans not seeing his goofy side. <laughs> so he said, apparently, every night I go out and put on this suit and then when I walk out on stage, I become the guy I always wanted to be. He's so cool, Teflon, and says all the right things. I can be goofy, but there's another. You're going to meet him. And by the way, guys, this is clearly not making sense. <laughs> You're going to meet him. I'm going to make sure the whole world meets him. For 20 years, I've done the same thing. It's been cyclical. He then went on and started to talk about himself in third person. <laughs> he said, Michael writes and makes a great record and I go to 40 countries and promote it and then I go on tour for a year and a half. I'm at this point in my life and my career where I want to do something different. Music will always be my happy place and my love, but I need to do some other stuff. Really, it's about being that other guy, not the suit guy, but being Mike. <laughs> Just let me be Mike. Be like that, Mike. Whether that is in movies or television or whatever it is, it has to happen now. Oh, the rebrand. This is the rebrand to Mike Bublé. That's what I wondered. Like, is there any way that this is, like, deliberate? No. no. Do you think this is actually just a microdose gone wrong? Yeah. But how did no one pull him why off that did stage? He, why did he do this before a commitment? And why did no one pull him out of it? Also, Michael Bublé can simply not be referred to as Michael Bublé. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Uh, I need to update you all. Mercury's not in retrograde. Uh, oh. In fact, if anything, this week is all about slowing down. And it's about feeling extra focused and reflecting on who you want to be moving forward, which maybe does apply to Mike Bublé. Maybe it does. And my eighth and final story, I've left my favourite to last. <laughs> Bachelor Joey Grazaday confuses Gypsy Rose Blanchard for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> so. 
so so random. The celebrities are just simply not fine this week. (laughs) Now, in case you missed it, the current American Bachelor is a guy by the name of Joey Grazaday. Recently, he was playing a game of how online are you with Betches. So it's like a YouTube video they put out. Mm-hmm. Betches is an, oh, the, the website. The media Betches. outlet. Yeah. They do memes, yeah. Yeah. Now, the game was pretty straightforward. He was shown photos of famous people and all he had to do was say who the person was. <laughs> like pretty simple. <laughs> now, he was shown a photo of Gypsy Rose Blanchard, who we know was recently released from prison. Talked about her on the first episode of the year. Yeah, as she's launched a career in influencing. Here's how the exchange went down. Now, just keep in mind, someone off mic is asking him first who this person is. Do you know who this person is? I do know who this person is. Is it Ruth? <laughs> no. Is Ginsburg, Ginsburg, something like that? Am I wrong? I know that she had something happen where she went to jail because of her mom. So He's really mixed it up. Yes. <laughs> it's the confidence with which he launches into, I do know who this is. Now, for context, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died in 2020 at the age of 87 after serving as a Supreme Court justice for 27 years. Gypsy Rose Blanchard is not that. No. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, is it Joey? Joey. Joey. In Joey's defence... These two women could be related. <laughs> like, now that I think of their faces side by side, I actually, Gypsy could be Ruth's granddaughter. I can't. The, I wish... I wish you weren't right, but I think you are. Right. Like, I think there is some resemblance there. How did he go, oh, yeah, that's Ruth. Like, where did... Where did Ruth I'm come just... In? If he went Ruth, the Supreme Court Justice, I'd be like, oh, okay, just an easy switcheroo. But he's just blended these two yeah. very different individuals. Ruth Ginsburg, the one that went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that is all we've got time for today. We are going to leave it there. If you want to support the show, come and follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. A big thank you to Annabelle Lee for audio editing this one. You are welcome. Thank you, Annabelle. Guys. Keep your eye on this feed on the weekend because we're dropping something a little bit special and a little bit different. And then, of course, we'll see you on Monday. Yeah, lots happening. Woo! Watch this space. Bye! Bye! Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.